Please join me with this morning's prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your unending love and forgiveness. Help us to forgive others. We are nothing and going nowhere without you. We long to know your will for our lives each day. We pray that you take away from us anything that will interfere with doing what you want us to do. Please give us the strength and wisdom to serve you and help others. Please restore the abilities that I once had and feed our souls so that you will bless us to be all that we can. We will honor you in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Our assurance of forgiveness this morning comes from Psalm 32. Oh, what joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable, and I groaned all day long. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Our guidelines for living this morning is from Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Thank you, Scott. Let's continue our worship as we sing together. This is Amazing Grace. Would you please stand if you can?
Holy Father, what a gift that you have given to us that your grace is greater than all our sin. What a marvelous understanding that you've given to us to know that your grace is greater than all those sins. And we thank you, Lord, for this indescribable gift that we have not earned or we cannot deserve, but it's totally by your mercy that you pour it down upon us. As Paul said, it's indescribable and we find it so true. We thank you for that blessing and for all the blessings that you give us in this life. Lord, please accept these gifts as gratitude that we know we could never pay back. But our gratitude is here because of the thanksgiving we have in our hearts. It's overwhelming because of these many gifts that you give us in this life and in the next. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. 
Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege that we have right now because of that grace that we can come to you and bring to you all our concerns, our worries. Father, we know this nation and the challenges that are before it and the international changes. For right now, the people of Ukraine and for Russia and for the war that is going on between them, we ask you, Lord, you give wisdom to all the leaders of the world and especially our government as we're leaders in that we can encourage and move forward and get beyond this war and take it out. That Putin, Lord, if need be, that he be removed. But Lord, we pray for this violence, this terrible tragedy of all these beautiful people being displaced and babies being born in subways and people who have nothing and uh, now but the shirts on their backs. We just lift those poor Ukrainian people up. We pray also to a world that may be in a darkness in Russia, even about this whole thing. We pray also too, Father God, for the things that go on in our world and even Wichita, Kansas. We pray for the young man who was murdered in the mall on the east side this past weekend and for his family who mourns his death. And for all those who were involved that saw and were traumatized by what they saw, we pray for the healing of their minds. We pray also too, Father God, for our church as we continue to battle through and work through, and as we look to you for wisdom of where we're to go in our church, as far as a denomination that we can be kept and held accountable, and we can also encourage other churches to remain faithful to your word, Lord, and do what is right. We pray also, too, for those in our congregation are suffering through some of the sadnesses of our world. We pray for our Sister Joyce, who lost her granddaughter two weeks ago. We pray also, too, for Gail, who <clears throat> had surgery again on his arm this week to remove more of the cancer in his arm. We pray also, too, for Don, who had hip surgery, and for healing for that hip after he also had a knee surgery. We pray for a friend of Bill who has cancer and is battling. We think also to Lucille and Kay in our church who are battling illness right now. For those also too that have other illnesses that we're not even known about. And for those who even have after effects from COVID that are still feeling the tiredness or still feeling not right. We pray also about COVID and the, all these warnings that we're getting again of the possible comeback. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just pray for healing for our nation, for protection, and that this virus can go down. And if we're to learn something, Lord, that this nation learns what we need to learn about it and from it. And for, Lord, for peace in the world. We pray also, too, for Curtis and for Allie's dad, who's got lung cancer, and for uh, Judy, who had surgery. We pray also, too, for a friend who's fighting PTSD after serving in the police department for many years. I pray also, too, for um, <clears throat> Brian Atterberg, who's now having trouble with a liver, his liver that was transplanted uh, several years ago. I pray also for Blake and his beautiful little 17-year-old daughter who's battling cancer of the brain. And I pray also, too, for... Um, um, Kyle, who's just had surgery this week to fix 
more of his mouth after being shot in the mouth. We pray for healing for it and that he can get back on duty and do what is done, Lord. I just thank you for this congregation and for their love and support of this church and for their kindness that they show to people out in the world today as they work together to bring your peace to the world. And now, Father God, I pray also, too, for the message that we receive today, that, Lord, you will speak to our hearts that we need, all of us need something, Lord. We want to hear from you and that you give us what we need to hear today, whether it be an encouragement or that we be challenged or that, Lord, that we need to hear something from you in a world that's dry and full of false teachings and full of false doctrines that we can walk boldly before the world knowing that the truth surrounds us in Jesus. Lord, all this we pray in your name we pray. Amen. Today the Bible says he left nothing undone. These words are talking about Joshua and the work that he'd done with the children of Israel. After they came back a second time to Kadesh Barnea and went across the Jordan River and now has taken occupation. Jordan was experiencing victories, and one of the things that God had done, wonderful blessings in his life and in the people of Israel. And when he said that to Joshua, he left nothing undone. How many of us have things left undone in our lives? How many of us have things left done that we should have done on God's agenda that we didn't do? It's amazing that Joshua said this, and it said this of Joshua. And how many of us have regrets in our own lives of things that we didn't do that we should have done, things that we left undone, that God has called us to do? Would we have regrets at the end that maybe we should have said something to somebody? Or maybe we have regrets of something that we did in the past. What occupies your mind when we think about leaving stuff undone? Something spiritual, maybe talking to somebody about Christ. Maybe something that occupies your mind or something that is bothering you right now or that's holding you back from following God even more. Is it a task? I know one thing that doesn't bother me, but it bothers a lot of other people, is that I've been talking about cleaning my office. And my wife thinks people need tetanus shots to go in there. But I've been talking about it for 20 years and still haven't gotten really to it. But what we're talking about here is things that God has called us to do that maybe we've let slip. What if God were to consult you what that would be? See, it's so easy to throw in the towel and to compromise in this world that we're in. It's easy to avoid the battles, both spiritually in our own hearts and with the people around us. You see, and the tragedy is, is that the world, even preachers, and I probably have done this myself, that we made it theme that it's so easy to be a Christian. Oh, coming to Christ and having his grace is wonderful. It's free. But then living the life of following Jesus and walking and carrying the cross, that's difficult. 
In Luke chapter 9, Jesus says, we deny ourselves. How many of us find it hard to deny ourselves? Or to forgive somebody? Or that we don't like being tested? That's true. Why do you think God said to Joshua a couple of times in these books, be strong and be courageous and do not be afraid? Because Joshua oftentimes was afraid. And that has felt his faith was crumbling and God supplied him with again a shot in the arm. Because you see what has happened now is Joshua has defeated the kings of the south. Alliance was done in that he overcame them. And let's just put it out on the table. We read the book of Joshua. We can read it in 20 minutes. But this is a period of seven years that the book of Joshua took place. And it was a long war. And what we find here is God is showing us, again, the difference between chapter 11 and chapter 12 are not much. The only thing is it's just more battles. And chapter 11 deals with the southern battles, and now chapter 12 deals with the, uh, chapter 10 deals with the southern battles, and chapter 11 deals with the battles to the north. And it's interesting that every time there's a battle that comes, it's another stepping stone to a more difficult situation. And you see, that happens in our own life. As we go along in this life, we're going to be in battle for until the rest of the day we die and God takes us home. And one of the things we'd realize right away, I realized this when I was a college student, that Joshua had battles ahead of him that were greater than the ones he had. And what we realize in the scriptures, it shows us that when we have a battle here, don't think that's your last battle. This battle now goes from here and it goes up another level. And what God has done, he's prepared us through this battle so that we can fight this battle. And when we're done with this battle, guess what's going to happen? We're going to have another battle that's even higher than that one. Joshua so far had to deal with in chapter 10 with five kings who got together and fought the battle. And yet God gave them victory, especially because he helped out Gideon, who had been covenanted to by God. But now we are going to the north. It's a much more formidable foe that he's battling. In fact, it's almost like a Hail Mary that these kings are putting themselves together because guess what? They are afraid of Joshua and the power of God that surrounds him. And they're going to battle 300,000 soldiers. The greatest battle that Joshua's have faced. And not only that they had 300 soldiers, they were totally outnumbered. But that also too, they had 10,000 horsemen. And then they also had 20,000 chariots. And this was the most mechanized army on the, on the earth at that time. And here's Joshua. With his men who are seasoned warriors, but they've used shovels, they've used pickaxes, they've used sickles. And now he's got this formidable foe that he's facing. And look what the Bible says. And then it came about that King Jabab of Hazor heard of it, and he sent jo Jobab, uh, king of Madon, and to the king of Shimron, and the king of Ashra. He's bringing these kings together. They're not even got close friends, but he brings them all together to fight Joshua because Joshua is a formidable foe. But they have a greater amount of people, a more mechanized army than Joshua's ever faced before. And God has taken Joshua through several battles 
But now God is raising him to another level. What happens in our lives is the same thing. You realize that the things that you're going through today, they're just preparation for what you're going to go through tomorrow or in a year from now. And that this battle, once you're through it, is not over, but you're going to have another battle over here. But to remember, and this is what God does to Joshua, remember, Joshua, that I am with you and I will give you the victory. We fight on three fronts, folks. You know it and I know it. We fight on our flesh. We fight in the world system. We fight the devil. Those three adversaries are constantly attacking us. And that we cannot give in, not have our heightened awareness of what they're doing and trying to affect us. How they're trying to affect our children. How they're trying to affect our friends. You know, one of the things about colleges today, it concerns me, is that they're learning a lot of knowledge, but they're also learning the philosophy of the world that is taking away from the truth that we've taught our children about God. It's a scary thing to send your kids off to school. And there's been great stuff that has been put out to help prepare your child when you go to college. I remember I went to a Christian college, which was I can't tell you how many years ago because you'd probably think I was born in B.C. But in reality, when I went there, I could not believe even a minister from our denomination was teaching the class and he was teaching heresy. And what we need to do is build our kids, prepare them, and that the battle that they will face in that classroom will come out in another situation. And when they meet another person who swallowed that stuff, that they will have to battle with that. And, and, and will deal with emotions, especially in the dating world. And we can never drop our guards. And we need to teach our kids not to drop their guards, but to resist. And here Josh has got a formidable foe. Greater army, greater technology, many soldiers. And how we also fight. And how we need to stand in the power of the Lord. Because it's taking our children. It's taking our society. It's drawing us away. It's making terrible things happen within families. And that's why Jesus tells us that we're fighting a war. We see that here. The formidable foe that we are fighting. Because our children, ourselves, and our friends have been all affected by it. Some of it's even personal. Because God knows us. And he allows us to face it. How many of us know about Paul and his thorn in the flesh? And you know why God gave it to him. But we need maturity to understand that and discernment. And Paul had that discernment. And he says, I know why God gave me that. Three times I prayed and asked God to deliver me. And he said, guess what? He didn't do it. Why? Because I needed it. My weakness to become prideful. And to start relying on my own power is wrong. And God gave me something so that he says, my grace is sufficient for you. That's all you need, Paul. Not your wisdom, not your abilities, but resting in me. It was very personal. And God did it so to help him to be powerful in the fight that he fought every day.
And we don't face a, a formidable foe. We do face him. And that's why we need the power of God in our life. What's the worst fear that you have in your life that you fight? What is it that you think about? What's your greatest enemy? Is it a habit that's a pattern that's causing you to sin? Is it a circumstance in your life that is bringing you down? Is it a loved one or a boss or an acquaintance that has power over your life and is bringing you down? That discourages you. One of the things I fear right now is what am I going to do when I retire several years from now? What am I going to do? And I want to be faithful right up until the end. I want to be giving myself to the Lord and to His work. And I don't want to be sitting around just figuring out, okay, where we're going to travel this month. I want to be able to do something for the Lord. That's a fear that I have. I want to be effective for the Lord as I leave this earth. I think of my niece who's pregnant, going to have a baby and wants to go overseas and minister to the Muslims. And I feel like I'm such a wimp. Here she is not afraid, even though she's going to have this little baby. And her and her husband sold out to Christ and want to do this. They know the battle. But yet they're going to move forward. And I wrestle with that in my own life. What does God have for me? That I need to trust Him more and go deeper in my faith when I retire? How can I be more effective for Him with all the free time I will have? You see, the habit, the pattern, what circumstances He have for me? The Bible says here, Joshua fought a long time. Seven years. The Bible's showing us here. We have to trust God in the battle that we're in every day. And we're going to do it right up until the end of time. And we're going to make mistakes, folks. But that's why God's grace is there for us. Joshua made a mistake. He didn't finish off all the Philistines. And guess what happened to him? Guess what happened to Israel? After he was gone... The children of Israel, who was the nemesis that God promised would be always there for them? The Philistines. And Josh didn't finish the job at that point. And guess who Akron, the king of the Philistines, was at that time? The father of Goliath, who gave David havoc. You see, it's dangerous. You know it and I know it. Because it's easy to compromise in our world today. How easy it is to compromise the standards of the world. That's much easier. And not fight. But instead put up with and become lenient. And find ourselves not finishing the task. Peter says to his flock, be sober minded. Be watchful. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion to seeking to devour you. He is a formidable foe. And Paul says that we are fighting weapons of warfare that are not carnal, not earthy. But they're strongholds that are going against God. This is the philosophy of CRT. This is the philosophy of the world. 
As they were trying in, in Joshua's day to destroy the children of God, they are trying to destroy the children of God in our philosophy and our theology in the world today. We need to finish the task and not compromise. So much of the church today has compromised. It breaks my heart. That's why, again, on the end of your notes today is another website of a denomination that we're thinking about going into because it's solid on the Word of God. It doesn't compromise. It refuses to compromise. We want to be with a group of people like that because the Word of God means something to us. We know the eternal nature of it and it needs to be held. There is no other way to do it. This is God's way. And the greatest fear is for us not to go that way. And not to serve God in the way that He desires. And that's why you and I not only face a formidable foe, but you and I need to be fierce fighters. We cannot capitulate. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves running behind the eight ball and living with the world. Look at what Joshua, the Lord's God said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. Because of them, for tomorrow I have time, I will deliver all them slain before Israel. And you shall hamstring the horses and burn the chariots with fire. And so Joshua and all the people of the war with them, with him, came upon them and suddenly by the waters of Merom and attacked them. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of Israel. So that they defeated them and pursued them with far as the great Sidon and Misrathoth, Maim, and the, villa, and the valley of Mitha to the east. And they struck them until the, no survivor was left in them. Joshua did, did to them as the Lord had told them to do. And he hamstrung the horses and burned their chariots with them. Joshua slayed them all. Because God told them to. Because God knew the influence that they would have on the world of the Hebrews. And so God said, take them out. And Joshua did. Joshua did this because he knew this was going to, by disobeying that, would let that come into their group. And so Joshua fulfilled what the Lord's intentions were. We see that all throughout history. You look at the book of Revelations and who's in control and who is saying they're going to wipe out. It's God. He's in control. We don't have anything to fear. In the book of Revelations, God's power is evident all over. And look at what God says to him. Joshua. It would have made common sense to keep the horses in the chariots, to not hamstring them. But God says to Joshua, hamstring them. And burn the chariots. Those are the weapons of war. Those were the high technology of that day. Why does God say that to them? Because he doesn't want them depending on the worldly things. He wants them to depend on God. David said in his Psalms, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. And David was victorious. You see, God wanted them to instruct those horses. We live in a world right now where the church, I heard this back in the 60s and 70s already, where people would quote the prophet Isaiah and said, we're going to beat those swords into plowshares and into pruning hooks. 
Yeah, Isaiah's talking about that, but that's in the end of time. It's not now. Yes, we can strive to do that. But until Christ comes, there's going to be a war for the souls of men and women in this country and throughout the world. And that we're going to see the struggle that people go through. Last night, I stumbled on something that was going through Facebook that somebody sent to me that was incredible. And here is this picture, video, of Michael W. Smith singing, Alleluia, Iguas they call it. It's a beautiful song of praise to God. And it was in a large stadium of 80,000 people seven years ago. You know who it was? Ukraine. Here these people were singing praise to God. And then Billy Graham's son, Franklin, gave up and gave the message and led many to Christ. Who would have ever thought seven years later they're in this battle for the life of their nation? Many of them have died and already gone to glory. You see, that's the world. That's the fight we're in, folks. And we need to be fierce fighters for the truth in this country and around the world. And that we deal with sin. We deal with the sin around us. I get sick. TikTok. What a bunch of sham that is. And they put garbage on there. And 14, 15, 16 years. Anybody who's got a phone can easily get on it. I remember one time my grandson who was 12... We let him use our phone for games at some times. And here he came upon a porn site. And he was looking at it. And I'm saying, what? Terrible. And this is what we're fighting, folks. And, and oh, TikTok will put on. Now, this is terrible. This is, this is dangerous. Uh, no children should watch this. This is adult. They put up the, And they know. There are going to be kids watching that. They're curious. 12, 13-year-olds, they're not going to shut it down and say, oh, my mom and dad don't want me to see this. They're going to watch it. And the stuff that they talk about. And that's why Joshua says, take it out. Get rid of it. And the Bible here says that Joshua was obedient to God. That what made him such an effective fighter. Because he obeyed God's laws and fight for the truth. And fought for Israel to take over Canaan. And to bring their God who is the God of glory. Above all others. To fight for them. And he obeyed God's commands. You know, Jesus said it well for us. And folks. Jesus finished it. He was a fierce fighter. And he finished the job. Jesus said, I did not come to do away with the law, but I came to fulfill it because we couldn't fulfill it. We're sinners. And he came in human form, leave the beauty of glory of heaven to come here to take our place. And then at the cross, what does Jesus say? He says, it is finished, telestai. As he bowed his head and gave up the ghost, Jesus finished the job for us. 
He fought the battle and brought us complete deliverance and that we can be free. And Joshua responds faithfully. His name is Jesus in the Old Testament. Joshua means Jesus. And he marched and he fought for his people. And it's amazing to me that in the whole book of Joshua, and this is where we as Christians need not to be waiting for society. We not, need not to be backing off. We not need to be compromising to try to be friends. We need to get on the offensive. I know there have been times that people have said things in public, in the presence of people, and I've kind of let it go because I don't want to be fighting with them or arguing them and being in this big debate with friends watching a football game. I should have not shut my mouth. I should have said something. Because the truth, many people were believing, well, maybe Dave believes it. No, I don't. And I've got to take that on. And Joshua, what does he do? He doesn't wait for the enemy to react. Joshua goes on the offensive. And he steps up and immediately he takes them by surprise. And we as Christians need to be on the offensive. I know when we played football in college, the thing we tried to do is we, our offense, tried to stay on the field as long as we could and rest our defense. And that every time we were on the field as an offense, we were scoring. And we were keeping them off the field and keeping that other offense on the other side not on the field so they couldn't score. And Joshua takes on this whole thing and he's a fighter and he takes on the offensive. That's what we as Christians need to do. When somebody says something false about our God, we need to nail it. We need to let them know that that's not true. When we have temptation in our life, the Bible promises us that we can overcome it. That there's no temptation given to you, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that is greater than you are, that God in you can fix and overcome. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. And when we do fall, that we go back and take a look at what caused us to go to that sin. What caused us to get there. And it wasn't just the thing right before it. There were things in our heads and things that we were doing in our minds that were preparing our hearts to fall over here. And we didn't even know it. And that's what we need to do. And get on the offensive and put the attack on. And when this ha happened, we immediately nail it for the Lord. We get rid of it. We kill it out of our lives. That's what God wanted to do for Joshua, for the people of Israel. To clear the land so people can fall on their faces before God and live right. And that's what Joshua was charged to do. That he was not to be afraid no matter how big it was. No matter how overwhelming it was. We're living in a postmodern generation right now. Obama was right when he says we're not living in a Christian nation. He knew back in the 40s and 50s that it had already been coming. And that people were giving up their Christian faith and their Christian values. And today we see it. No matter where we are, no matter what we do. We're seeing those Christian values totally blown up. We've created a system where people are dependent on the government to be their family. And we're seeing young people, what do they do? They're giving themselves to bad people who they think are so mature and strong because they've killed somebody. And we're going to join that gang. What do you think happened the other night as I got called to go to, to, to the mall down here, the East, East Mall? There was a young 14-year-old boy who had sold himself out to the gang. 
And then there was a fight. And then two guys, 16 and 17, real mature men, pulled out a gun and blew the kid away. What a tragedy. But this is all because we're bearing the fruit of the sin and the destruction and the pushing away of God and His way and His commandments. Yesterday I was on my way home and there was somebody who was stabbed over here on Central. Really? The West Side? Oh, the East Side? How could somebody get shot in East Town Mall? How could he not? With the society that we're living in right now, we need to fight for those Christian values and bring them back into our society. We can't let it go, folks, because it's destroying our young people. It's destroying our society. And Jesus, Jesus says it well, that we're to be fighters. Listen to what he says. Don't think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. We're in a fight. And notice what happens. You have it in your families. I have it in my, our, we have it in our families. We have some people who have bought the ridiculous meta-narrative now that the CRT and all these other people are bringing into our society that are lies. And they think they're liberated as we heard Hugh Hefter again and again what a pedophile he was. What a pervert he was. And yet he came on and the world picked him up and says, oh, he's, he's setting us free from those the, the, those." pilgrim those Quaker ways and freeing people up sexually. He was a pervert. And the world said, oh, they lifted him up as such a great hero. And Jesus said, for I have come not to set men against he says, for I have come to set a man against his father. A daughter against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies of those who own his household. It's straight conflict. We see it in our families. I get the look. You're old-fashioned. That's not the way it is today. No, but it's the way that works and keeps people from killing each other and being perverts. It's a spiritual battle. Neville Chamberlain. During, just before World War II, he came back and said, oh, Hitler's a great guy. We made peace with him. We're not going to have any problem. As Hitler was still going through Europe and ravaging it, and he was on his way to England, and Chamberlain gave a big, beautiful, rosy-colored glass look that Hitler was going to do peace with him. And we know the fallacy that was. We need to be fair as fighters. Because we live in the truth of God that's eternal and doesn't change. And cannot be eroded away without destruction coming its way. And it's destroying America. It's destroying our society. It's killing our kids. Because we're fighting folks for eternal truth that does not change or does not fail. And we're selling our world out evil. That's what discourages me so much about the church right now. 
It has compromised with the world to try to hold on to a few people in the church. And it's a false, false ideology that's breaking us. And the wage of the war is going on. You know, it breaks my heart. You know, why is it that that young man died? Because of the philosophy of this world. Why is it that gas prices are going skyrocketing? Because of the world. We're not listening. Greed is winning the battle. The true pathway through peace is the truth of God in Jesus Christ. When we throw those values out the window, guess what? We are in deep trouble. And you know this. I'm preaching to the choir here today because we all know this. And one of the things about we need to be careful of that we don't get so discouraged that we want to quit or we throw in the towel. I can't tell you how many friends of mine who are Christians don't want to watch the news anymore. They get too discouraged. Well, that ought to put a burr in your saddle and want to go and fight for what is right. I've seen Christians who went out and tried to fight. And the, the, the system is so great in, the, in Topeka and so great in Washington, they get discouraged and they quit. We don't need them to quit. We need them to buck up and get after it and, and take on the battle. We as Christians, we find ourselves, God has given us all these beautiful promises and benefits. It's like getting a million dollars and that we only take out $10 a month. He's given us the victory. He's given us all that we need. We just need to tap it. And we need people who are willing to tap it. And it's so easy, folks, to quit. Oh, I know sometimes it gets discouraging. I know it's terrible when I have to talk to a family who lost their 14-year-old kid needlessly. It can be very discouraging. But that's why we need to be fierce fighters. That's why we can't quit. That we should not quit. That we should fight the battle. And we need to endure. He fought seven years. We're fighting in this for a lifetime. Our children are at stake. We can't quit. We can't throw in the towel. That's why we need to finish well. Joshua did finish well. He kept the commandments of God. Joshua defeated the kings. All 31 of them. With a 300,000 member army with 10,000 horsemen and 20,000 charioters. He won. It's because he trusted in God. And he didn't quit. Can you imagine what those soldiers were saying to him? Joshua, again, we got to go out and fight again? Oh, Josh. No, they just went. They fought it. It is so important we get this lesson, folks. That we don't quit. Yesterday I was looking on my phone and I read these words. And I looked the context of them up on my phone. And it was World War II. 1941, and they were the words of Winston Churchill. It was a speech that he made to his commencement of his 
college that they asked him to become the speaker. He's one of the best speakers, they say, that ever lived. But Churchill put together a speech that was only for three minutes and 43 seconds. And it was powerful. Because he was talking to kids who knew London was being bombed by Hitler. It was a dark day in Britain. And they knew they were going to be facing Hitler with his mammoth army. His blitzkrieg that were coming to, to London every day. In the dark hour that lived. And he said, this is not the dark hour, my young people. So let me tell you something. This is your brightest hour. Because this is going to be the time when you can shine the most for your country. That God can give you the strength to be strong. But he said, there's one thing you've got to remember. Something that this country cannot do. And there's something that we have to do is that we never, never, never give up. That we fight and we fight. We realize that and we realize that the God that Joshua served here down in Canaan is the same God that you and I serve and we can never quit. We have the same God who can conquer all things. If we truly follow his way. You see this is the truth. Of our God. And we never can quit. We can never let our fears. Take a hold of us. But then we need to fight. For what the truth is. In Jesus Christ. Not only for our families. But for our friends. For this nation. And that we do like he said. That this is our finest hour. It may be even the darkest hour in this nation. But that we can make it into the finest hour. Because it will bring the best out of our people and the church. And that we'll rise up and we'll bring it back to the way God wants it to be. God finishes what he starts. He started this nation on a great path. Men who devised this country out of the the Constitution of the United States that had 25 different references to the Word of God. The Declaration of Independence talking about man who had God-given rights. And so we need to fight. And that realize that God began a good work in us. You know, the question is, you know when we get older... I do funerals a lot. And on that day you have your funeral and you're laying here. What are people going to come up to the microphone and say about you? How you affected them. What you did for them. What you talked to them about. What are they going to say? Are they going to say you sacrificed for them? That you talked to them about Jesus? That you... Loved them even when you were unlovable. What are they going to say that you're serving the Lord? Or are you going to be like the two guys at the factory that never knew either one of them was Christians because they never talked about it? That's the question. You see, today we have a long battle. And remember that every battle that you face 
is the next step to another battle that you're going to face. Don't throw those opportunities away, but learn in them and trust Jesus more every time. Don't fall into the trap of temptation to compromise your faith. Be a fierce fighter for Christ. Fiercely fighting for the eternal values that God sent His Son to have from heaven to earth to die for. To never quit, folks. Don't let your fears cripple you. Stay strong. And let God do with you. Like Paul says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began this great work in you of salvation, he's going to perfect it until the day that Jesus Christ comes. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for these folks. They have, Lord, tremendous places in their lives around them. Spheres of influence. Children, fellow workers, neighbors, people they come in contact with just naturally, and the places they travel. Jesus, I pray that you'll use these folks and that you who began the good work of salvation in their hearts will bring it to fruition. That they don't quit, but they keep persevering and fighting for the truth that you've given us that holds a society together, that keeps us together and walks in the truth. Bless these folks this week, Jesus, and help them not to get discouraged, but to look to you for their strength. And it's in your name we pray, Christ. Amen. Please rise and receive the benediction. The words of Joshua, as they began to go into Canaan, be strong and be courageous and do not be afraid for the Lord God goes with you wherever you go. Amen.